Nations from Capita. Hello and welcome to the next in our series of podcasts from Capita on the theme of the great opportunity. I'm Justine Green and we continue to look at the opportunities and choices organisations need to make to plan, rebuild and come back stronger after such unprecedented times. This time, our focus is on critical infrastructure, and we're joined by two guests, Angus Flett, CEO of Smart DCC. Hello, Angus. Hello, Justine. And Chris Cartwright, Head of Critical Infrastructure at Capita Consulting. Hello, Chris. Hello, Justine. Angus, first of all, can you tell us what Smart DCC do? Yeah, so um, Smart DCC is tasked with um, rolling out the technology that supports um, smart metering in roughly 33 million uh, consumer homes. Now, we're doing this to help society electrify. Um, The reason we need to do that is to decarbonise. So um, if we're going to save the planet and if we are going to have any chance of getting near the government targets and the UK targets for decarbonisation, then smart meters are an essential ingredient in achieving that. So effectively, we're the digital spine of the energy system. Chris, smart meters are one way to engage people with their energy consumption. But what else needs to change as we transform our relationship with energy? We need to recognise the interdependency energy has with, with other critical infrastructure. So, for example, in the, the transport sector, we, we the, the take-up of electric vehicles and more recently micro-transport like electric scooters, they're, they're changing the demand profile of energy. Um, we've got water companies are starting to be big providers of energy generation, as well as creating their own smart metering networks. And um, the, the telecoms and data companies, they're providing networks that enable social media, um, which is changing behavioural patterns and in turn changing people's energy usage and, and habits. Um, if we think about why we're doing all this, as Angus is right, you know, the goals and aspirations of all this is everyone's wanting to decarbonise and, and get to net zero. And the key to decarbonising is is to consider the whole system, a whole systems approach of how transport, energy, telecoms, data and other industries, how they all relate to one another. And measuring and getting the data around this is the first stage. And this is where DCC play a key part in that. So the aim of all this is to get to the so-called net zero. Angus, how quickly do we need to make changes to get there? As as fast as we can. Um, You know, the quicker we digitise, which is, you know, arguably the last sort of analogue technology, the quicker innovation and reuse can come on this platform, which will drive, you know, not just decarbonisation, but social good aspects. So, you know, we've already rolled out to probably 20 odd million uh, metres at the moment. So there'll be about 33 million homes, 55 million metres and the rollout continues to progress quite quite well. Um, but the faster we can persuade consumers to, to take a, a smart meter, the better, as we said, because it, it drives decarbonisation and, and, and innovation for social good. One thing we've seen during the pandemic is how technology usage has accelerated to meet new demands. What trends in particular have you both seen? Angus? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of things that have come on the back of smart meters that we we never thought about. Um, So, you know, for example, uh, prepaid. So prepaid 
meaning you don't actually need to leave your home to top up. With uh, smart meters, for example, um, we have seen companies being able to use the data to monitor elderly in the home. So working with the NHS, for example, uh, they've also looked at this as a way of helping elderly uh, care in the home, so kind of digital care. Um, what is really interesting, for example, in Finland, they use smart metering data for predictive fire management, so white goods that go on fire. So, you know, I, I see smart meters as profound as iPhones or smartphones, and what they will do is going to spawn this, this wave of new applications and innovation. And Chris? Yeah, so, so I, I I see this through a, a, a sort of organisational perspective, and um, and, and many organisations that they already had digital transformation programmes in flight before the pandemic, um, but these have all been accelerated. So, for example, there are organisations we've worked with that have been considering remote inspection technologies for for a long time, but they couldn't quite justify the capital outlay. But during the pandemic, um, it was sometimes it just wasn't possible to have engineers out in the field carrying out inspections. So they've been forced to invest in these technologies. And um, and here at Capita, we, we've talked about creating a virtual call centre for over 10 years, but we've never managed to make it happen. And with coronavirus, in a matter of weeks, we managed to have tens of thousands of call centre agents working from home, and we created that virtual call centre. OK, coming next, let's focus in on digitisation. organisations. Now, as Chris was touching on, the COVID crisis has resulted in business infrastructure plans that might have been implemented in a year or two's time being brought forward. Let's ask you both, what impact has the acceleration of digitisation had on business ambition? Angus? Well, I think as as you heard from Chris, I think, um, you know, the pandemic, COVID (coughs) has driven an acceleration of activity. Um, which are perhaps historically we were said, oh, it's too difficult or it takes it takes too long. And, you know, necessities are the, the mother of innovation, you know. So I think it has forced us to reconsider certain models. I think digital digital gives us a platform to adopt new models. Um, you know, within our own organisation, for example, you know, we went from quite a face-to-face world to literally overnight adopting teams. We running complex, big programs and we have not slowed down or delayed any of our programs globally because of our supply chain. Um, You know, we have moved online, gone more digital. Sure, there's some physical aspects we still have to do, but it's just shown that actual fact, when you get people focused and committed, you, you can really accelerate um, digitization and change. Chris? So, um, yeah, prior to the pandemic, um, a lot of businesses were, were innovating, but innovating to create a competitive edge. Now, businesses are, are innovating to survive. Um, people are asking um, if their products and services will still be valid in, in the new era. And if they're not, then I mean, all is not lost. They just need to consider the, the assets they currently have. They need to consider what are they world class at. And then they need to create new products and new services that leverage these, these skills and assets. 
Of course, Chris, the acceleration of technology and its usage doesn't come without risks. Absolutely. Um, the, the cost of getting things wrong, particularly in the energy industry, can ultimately be fatalities. Okay. Um, when innovating, you need to create a safe environment where it's okay to fail. And if you, you, you fail with minimal consequences, but fail quickly so you can swiftly move on and try something else and then try something else that ultimately is going to succeed. And Angus, modernisation must have its challenges when working with old infrastructure. Yes, it does. I mean, um, you know, we were tasked to picking up the first generation smart meters, uh, say about 17 million of them. Every one of them had a variance of software and hardware, etc. But, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer of, you know, where there's a challenge, if you get the right focus and, and the right commitment, you can overcome them. So, you know, over the last two years, we have upgraded, modernized that whole estate. And bear in mind, these are live meters and are busy quietly cutting them over without consumers knowing anything about it. So I think sometimes we can admire the problem too much as opposed to actually get on and fix it. Angus, can the technology developed by your business, Smart DCC, be used to benefit other organisations? Oh, massively. Um, I mean, we, every month we get companies knocking on our door going, wow, this is an incredible capability. Can, can we do clever things with it? So you heard me talk about elderly care management. You heard me talk about the, the fire, predictive fire management. Um, there's another one I love, a company um, called Scottscape that has developed this technology to green lampposts. And they green lampposts because it sucks out the carbon from busy roads, outside schools, which is quite polluted, uh, outside traffic lights. And they need secure remote technology to monitor how much carbon's coming out and also potentially control the traffic lights. Um, and that's amazing because lots of county councils, etc., are looking at that and going, well, if we can get that in place, you know what, we can suddenly clean up our roads clean up outside our schools in terms of of air pollution Um, and that's just one example all right well in our final part next we'll be looking at the opportunities that lie ahead well as we try to look ahead to prepare and adapt chris how much do you view work and life after covid as a new frontier I I think it is a new frontier. The change of working patterns will create new challenges, but new opportunities. The morning transport rush hour might be replaced with the morning internet overload. Um, But we're we're finding there are opportunities to engage with customers in different and more efficient ways. So, for example, um, we've had a series of virtual meetings with potential clients overseas. In the old world, people would have been jumping on planes, dealing with jet lag. It might have been a week out of the office. But now we can hold these meetings virtually with anyone in the world. The whole process of engaging and getting things done is faster and we don't need to worry about the logistics of travel anymore. But there will be some people that want to go back to the old ways. That, that's right. They will. They will. And, and there will be a gap there. But the, there are advantages around it. And I think overall that there's a balance to be struck um, between having a bit of the old world where people can go and meet up um, and be face to face. But then, you know, taking on board all this new stuff, new opportunities that there are. 
Angus, how much do you think the use of data will be make or break for businesses? Yeah, that's a gosh, that's a that's a whole topic in itself. Um, having lots of data without insight is is meaningless, right? D- data drives insight, and how you use your data to derive insight and then develop new services is essential. And organisations that crack that are the ones that that really really succeed. Now, there's too much talk about monetization of data, as opposed to that data will facilitate something. It will facilitate insight or using the data, you know, as I gave you the example of elderly care management, allows you to develop a brand new service. Uh, and it kind of comes back to what Chris was talking about. Organizations that actually use this new paradigm for driving a different way of thinking that gives them insight and gives them competitive edge are the ones that are going to succeed. So data is essential, but it, it's not data in itself. It's what insight you can drive from it and what new, whizzy, clever services you can build on the back of it. Without doubt, the pandemic has been devastating for many people's health and for many businesses. But can we take any benefits from a crisis like this? I think so, yes. I mean, you, you, you're forced to, to rebuild after a crisis like this. So take the opportunity to rebuild better and stronger. And um, a word that's being used a lot at the moment is resilience. So how do you rebuild not only to ensure continuity of service, but ensure a robustness that means that we're better prepared for the next crisis, whatever that crisis might be? Okay, finally, a question for both of you. What should organisations be focusing on now in terms of opportunities for their infrastructure? Angus? I think the big thing is, certainly from our perspective, it's how can we drive a new economy based on uh, and accelerate that economy based on th- on decarbonisation, on on new services that support the kind of new paradigm that we live in. So I think organisations that focus on that will be the ones that, that succeed. And Chris? So, um, so yeah, we, we've, we've talked about innovating to survive. We've talked about accelerating digital transformation, resilience. But, but all of these things, they're, they're very difficult to do on your own. So um, the, the organisations that will thrive in this new era, they'll be the ones that are willing to team up and collaborate with others. You can get this done a lot quicker and a lot more agile and resilient if you're part of an overall ecosystem. Well, that's all we've got time for. I hope you found our conversation interesting and helpful. Thanks to both of our guests for the benefit of their expertise. Angus, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Justine. And Chris, thank you to you too. Thanks, Justine. And do join us again soon. Next time, we'll continue to explore the great opportunity with experts from business, government and academia. Also, make sure you subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. In the meantime, from me, Justine Green, Angus and Chris, it's thanks for listening and goodbye.